hope you're soaked to be in church this morning. I know I am. Um, I'm, I'm pretty excited, to be honest. Dave's really disappointed to be home. Like, after our holiday, we got home, and he's like, oh, back to work. I was so excited, because we were camping on a holiday, and we're, like, now at home. And it's just amazing. Did anyone, did anyone go camping over summer? A few people. Does anyone, like, love camping? In my mind, I love camping. Like, I really love camping as the idea of camping. It just sounds great, like, magical. Um, I wanted to get, like, fairy lights to put in our tent. I'm like, that'd be cute. Um, Dave's very against anything like that. He, I wasn't allowed candles in the tent. Um, doesn't make sense. But anyway, um, but the idea of camping was amazing. I was like, yes, we're going to go camping. We were going up north to a dock campsite. I'm like, Dave showed me a picture. It looked beautiful. I was like, this is going to be great. Um, does anyone here not like camping? Yeah, okay. So you guys understand um, what it was like. You get there. It's really hot. You have to put up the tent. There is no warm showers. Like, I did not know that. They don't even, like, supply... We got there and we were like, wait, do we have to bring our own toilet paper? Because we didn't even bring toilet paper. We were so underprepared. It was crazy. Um, I've got to be honest, I did cry while we were camping. Um, it got to that level. Um, and so when we got home, it was beautiful. There was like warm showers and I could like turn some fairy lights on and I just love it. So I'm glad to be home. I'm glad to be in church this morning. It's so good. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. But a little, I do love camping a little bit, but just a little, just a little bit. Anyway, um... This morning I was thinking about, this is the first message of 2017, um, and I was kind of, well, last year, I'm thinking about what, am, what was I going to talk about, um, and I love the start of the new year. I love New Year's resolutions. Um, I'm actually obsessed with them. Dave told me I wasn't allowed to start talking about them until December, because in November I was already thinking about my New Year's resolutions for this year, and he banned it from talking about it in our house, because I go on and on about it, and I'm like, what are yours, Dave? Um, this year I have seven New Year's resolutions. Um, Dave thinks I was only a three, but I just didn't even listen. Um, but I love New Year's resolutions, just the idea of like planning, you know, what I'm going to do this year, having this sort of high, not high standard, but just these awesome things. Like this year I'm going to run a half marathon, I'm going to do heaps of crazy stuff. Um, and some of them won't happen, of course. Um, last year I was going to do a triathlon, which I never did, um, but some of them did happen. But I love New Year's resolutions, new things. Um, and I was thinking about it, because first things are important, right? It's like, um, I know when... Avery first spoke, there was a lot of contention whether she said mom or dad or, you know, what the word, what words a baby says first, right? That's important. Um, everyone thinks they said their name um, because first things are important. News resolutions, the start of the year, that's important to us. I don't really know why, it just is. Um, we think first things are important um, and lots of times they are. Um, and I was thinking about it, I'm like, man, I'm speaking the first message this morning. I don't even know what to talk about, but I also know that in the Bible first things are important as well. Um, Craig often talks, you may have heard him talk about it before, the law of first mentions. So um, when Craig's talking about a subject, maybe he's talking about um, money or maybe he's talking about, I don't know, he'll look at the first time that word was mentioned in the Bible and it's called the law of first mention. Um, when you find a word in Greek, you're trying to figure out what it means, you know, what the, what the context is to do with. You go back to the very first time it was ever mentioned. Um, you know, maybe way back in the Old Testament, Moses said it, or Moses did something. You look right back to the first time, and you can get a, such get an understanding of what it means. And so in the Bible, first things are very important. Um, and just in life, first things are important. And I was like, man, I'm going to speak the first message in church. And I don't want to overdo that. It was important. But I was like, what can I talk about? And I started looking at um, the story of Jesus' first miracle. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Um, my message is called The First Miracle. And it's a story... Um, which is really awesome, and, and I just want to talk about a few things that when we read through the story, we can um, understand, I guess, the first thing Jesus did, 
to start as ministry, what we can take from that and apply to our lives at the start of this year. Is that all right? Awesome. I'm going to pray and we'll get into it. God, I thank you we can be in your house this morning. God, I thank you, God, that as we start this year, God, that you want to speak to us, God, and you're going to speak to us this morning, God. So I pray that we'd have open minds, open hearts, God, and let you speak to us, God, as we read through the story of the first miracle Jesus ever did, God, that that would speak to us, God, and we'd leave this place changed because of it this morning. Amen. Awesome. I want to read to you from John chapter 2. I think it'll come up on the screen behind me. Ah, thanks, Joel. You're the man. This is what it says. Three days later, there was a wedding in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. Jesus and his disciples were also guests. When they started running low on wine at the wedding banquet, Jesus' mother told him, they're just about out of wine. Jesus said, is that any of our business? Mother, yours or mine? This isn't my time. Don't push me. She went ahead anyway, telling the servants, whatever he tells you, do it. Six stoneware water pots were there, used for the Jews for ritual washings. Each held 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus ordered the servants, fill the pots with water. And they filled them to the brim. Now fill your pitchers and take them to the host, Jesus said. And they did. When the host tasted the water that had become wine, he didn't know what had happened, but the servants, of course, knew. He called to the bridegroom. Everybody I know begins begins with their finest wines, and after the guests have had their fill, brings in the cheap stuff. But you've saved the best till now. This act in Cana of Galilee was the first sign Jesus gave and the first glimpse of his glory, and his disciples believed in him. I really like the story. It's like a real crazy story, right? It's so crazy. I love that the first miracle Jesus did was just like a real outrageous one. Um, bring some wine to a wedding. Um, and a, few, a few months ago, we had a, a pastor from America called Pastor John Morgan. He came and spoke at youth, and he told a little bit of the story as part of his message. Um, and of course, he was talking to youth, and he really didn't know like, if he should be saying, like, Jesus was making all this wine, and he was like a little bit nervous, I guess. And so he instead decided to... Um, change wine to non-alcoholic red raro. Um, and so he read the story out at youth, and just every time where it said wine, he just put a non-alcoholic red raro. And I think some of the kids who were new uh, just probably had no idea, like, what this was about. Like, is that really in the Bible? Like, they were just super confused. Um, but it was hilarious. But I loved it. Um, and I love the story because the first miracle Jesus does is kind of a confusing one. What does that even mean? Um, and I don't know if you've ever been to a wedding um, where they've run out of wine. Maybe not. Um, some people might, if you, they happen, might be upset about it. Um, some other people you might like be able to um, relate more to if you were at a wedding and they ran out of potatoes before you got to the buffet. Oh, it's not good. You know, like, so Jesus is at this wedding um, with his mom, his disciples, he hang out. It's probably like, you know, one of their neighbors, second cousin or something. They hang out at this wedding and all of a sudden they start to run out of wine. And that is like, at any wedding that's bad, right? Um, you don't want to run out of food before someone gets to the buffet. It's kind of like the worst thing ever. Um, and everyone's like raving about how good the potatoes were. You didn't get any. Um, this is pretty much what's happening. And also, this was like an honor-shame culture. Um, running out of food for your guests was not like a good, like that was bad. That was going to, everyone was going to remember that. Like that wedding, that was so rude. They didn't have enough wine for all of us. And so Jesus' mum was like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Um, and goes to Jesus. And in the story, Jesus says, mom, go away, like, 
I'm not ready for this. Um, but as always, mums know best. Who knows that mums know best? Seriously, guys? Oh, my goodness. These guys are also in denial. Um, I know that mums know best. And Jesus' mum, she knew best. She's like, no, don't listen to him. Just do whatever he says. Um, and so that happens. Um, Jesus says, let's grab these water pots, um, ritual cleansing, like jug things. And he's like, what we're going to do is we're just going to um, get them, fill them with water. And I was looking um, this week. It says in the Bible, where does it say it? Um, the amount. Six stoneware pots, each held 20 to 30 gallons. And so I was reading about this, and in some commentary it said that's 450 litres. And I was like, there's a lot of wine. It surely can't be right. So I... Um, Went on the internet and I looked up how much was 20 gallons and then I times that by six. And that is over 450 litres of wine. 450 bottles of wine. Like Jesus is just like, we need a little bit more wine. We're running out. And Jesus goes and makes 450 litres. I think it's ridiculous. Like he was just so like, he's like, if we're going to do this, we're going to do this good. I'm just going to make a little bit of wine. We're going to make a ridiculously big amount of wine. And so I don't really know if the bride and groom knew they were running out of wine, but some of them knew. Jesus' mum knew. Um, and so Jesus goes and makes all this wine. Um, and a crazy thing that it doesn't even seem like a very important matter, right? Like Jesus come to earth. Um, he can do anything. He's all powerful. What's the first thing he's going to do? Like if he could do anything, like he's going to start his three years of public ministry. He's going to launch off, do something amazing. Like I think if that was me, like I'd probably go for something a little bit different to that. Like, you know what I mean? Like I'd probably go for something amazing, spectacular. But Jesus goes and makes wine for these people who aren't even mentioned, we don't even know who they are, for their wedding. And I love this story. Um, I think there's so many things that we can learn from this story. And I just want to talk about a couple of things that I think that this miracle shows us about Jesus. And every single miracle that Jesus did was done with a purpose to reveal himself or God to the world, right? That's why the miracles happen. It wasn't just for like a lot. It was because God wanted to reveal who he was to people. And so like when he healed people, it was revealing who he was, what he was like, what he did. And so this miracle, or the random, is revealing something about God to us. And so I think the first thing it reveals to us is that Jesus thought that people matter most. Can you say that? People matter most. People matter most. Awesome. Um, and I guess in the story, um, Jesus does his first miracle, and it's, it's really odd. Like, if, if you just think about it on, like, surface level, like, what is it even, like, what is he even doing, like, creating wine? What does that show us about God, right? If every miracle shows us about God, what does him making 450 liters of wine out of water show us about him? Like, it shows us he's powerful, for sure, but, like, what does that even mean? And I believe that the first miracle shows us that people matter to Jesus, and that what, is, what matters to people matters to him as well. And so... Of course, like we know people matter to Jesus. That's the reason he came to earth, right? That's why he came, because he loves us. He wanted to show us. He wanted to save us, rescue us, die on the cross. Um, that's why Jesus came. But this story shows us that not just these people's salvation, it wasn't even this big thing, but it was what mattered to them. The small thing of running out of wine at their wedding mattered to Jesus. And I love that. Um, he didn't save their lives, heal people. He just helped a bride and groom to have the best day of their life, to have like a crazy amount of wine for their party. Um, and I think sometimes, sometimes I think, like I hear people talk about maybe like something like praying for car parks. Does anyone here do that? Um, yep, my mom, she's got a hand right up. 
people who pray for car parks, and sometimes I really can't wrap my head around that. Like, my mum will be like, down the main street, and we're kids, and she's like, now you all need to pray for a car park, kids. And I get so mad. I'm like, I'm not praying for a car park. Mum, God has more important things. Like, we could pray for children in Africa. Like, there was a lot of things we could pray for. Like, I'm like, if I go to heaven and then look at my list of prayers, I don't want like 90% of them to be about praying for car parks. That's what I, that's what I say, right? I'm like, it's ridiculous. But this story shows me, and sometimes I get really frustrated because has anyone, like, I don't know if you guys have ever been with people who do that, but they pray for a car park and you're like, no, not true, not doing it. And then they get one like straight away, like right outside the supermarket. My mum every time, honestly, like every time. And I get so annoyed about it. I'll be like, it's a fluke, whatever. God wasn't listening to that. But this story shows me that maybe there's some merit in that, that God actually what, mat- what matters to us actually matters to God, even when sometimes it seems really small or insignificant in the grand scheme of things. These people running out of wine at their wedding wasn't going to ruin the world, wasn't going to, what did it really matter to Jesus? But Jesus did it because what mattered to people mattered to him. And I think sometimes in our life, um, yeah, I know so many times I've been like, you know what, that's actually like too important for God. Um, I could pray for a lot more important things. But what matters to us actually matters to God. And I think that's such an awesome thought. Um, My mum told Dave and I a couple of days ago um, a story about, we were were at our family batch and my grandma had lost her watch and we were looking for it everywhere. And my mum, she told us a story about when she first became a Christian and she used to get toys out from a toy library um, and you had them for like a week or two weeks. And every time she got to take them back, they'd all be like, there'd be a piece missing, like, and she'd just search the house, go so mad, could not find it anywhere, because, like, you know, one of us would, like, put under a cushion on the couch, something like that, and mum said she was, like, a new Christian, and she'd just pray and be like, God, help me find that piece of Duplo, and, like, every time, God would help me find it, and I'm just like, that's, like, the randomest story, right, that God, like, is a God who would, like, answer our prayer to help us find a piece of Lego. Does anyone think that's crazy? I think that's crazy. But I think, and sometimes I think my mom's crazy. Someone's like, mom, whatever. Um, I love you, mom, I do. But when I read this story, I'm like, man, it's so true. The things that sometimes can seem small and insignificant to us, the things that sometimes seem like, you know, actually in a grand scheme of things, that's not important to God. Like, this God's got a lot more bigger things to deal with. God actually cares about the things that matter to us. And I think it, it all stems from the thing that God, people are most important to God. It's not that our small problems are most important, but that we are important to God. And because of that, the things that are important to us are important to Him as well. Uh, a few months ago, we did a series at church. Um, Craig spoke, I think it was called Making Change. Um, and for one of the first messages, um, it was about making change with our money. Um, and he put a post on Facebook that said, what is the most important thing um, in life or, you know, in your life? And the whole idea of it was that no one was going to comment on Facebook and say money. Um, and so he was going to say, money isn't the most important thing. Like, you know, look what everyone said. It's not money. Um, of course, some people knew and just cheekily ripped money. Um, I think I was Maddie. Um, it wasn't you, it was clear, was it? Cheekily read it. Anyway, but I was reading through it and Craig had told me, you know, like, this is why I'm going to do it. So no one's going to write money because everyone will be like, what the heck? And I'll tell everyone, you know, no one thinks the most important thing is money. But I remember reading through and seeing an answer by Anna and it was real cool. Um, and I thought it kind of summed this up a little bit. And it was a, like a Maori proverb. Um, and I just lost it in my notes. Where is it? Um, and it said, the, the proverb said, um, what is the most important thing in the world? It is people, it is people, it is people. And I thought that probably was like such a beautiful thing that so much captured what the story is about. Like the most important thing to Jesus was people. And it was always people and what mattered to people mattered to Jesus. And I so love that. 
about the story. The very first miracle he did, the one that set him up for all the rest of them, he started by showing that people matter. Um, and as we look through every other miracle he did, um, so many of them were about people. They were um, showing that people matter. On the Sabbath day, um, Jesus decided, you know, like when the Pharisees were like, what are you going to do? It's the Sabbath. Will you heal this man? Jesus showed that he valued people more than the law, more than the Sabbath. He valued the person and he healed him. And time and time again, there's these stories of Jesus' miracles where he values people. He shows that people are the most important thing. When he's busy, when he's going somewhere, when he's doing something and someone yells at him, someone touches them from behind, Jesus, time and time again, will heal them because that's what's most important to him. And I love it. Um, and, you know, there's another thing in the story which I love. Like, firstly, people are most important. Um, but there's a part of the story, and I, can we put it back on the screen, Joel? Um, yeah, that bit. It says, six stoneware water pots were used there, used by the Jews for ritual washings. And these water pots, um, to us it was random, what the heck does that mean? Um, but ceremonial washings were an integral part of Jewish society. Like, that was an important thing to them. Um, if you read, like, Jewish law, cleansing and cleanliness is, like, a massive part of um, holiness, being in God's presence, a whole lot of that. So they were very important water jars. They were specifically used for cleansing. And so they symbolized everything holy, everything tradition of Jews, everything, like, righteous and religious. And Jesus doesn't just make wine out of water and like some spare jugs on the table. He doesn't make it out of the old, old wine things. He doesn't get some random jugs. He uses jugs that were specifically used for Jewish cleansing and makes wine out of them. And so not only did Jesus say, you know, you matter enough for me to make wine for you. Jesus said, you matter enough for me to make wine out of something that other people would say, you can never do that. This is holy. This is sacred. This is, that's not allowed. Like this is not for that Jesus. This is important specifically for cleansing. Jesus came and made wine in the most crazy place that probably was incredibly insulting to some people. Like I imagine that that would have been incredibly insulting to some people seeing Jesus do that. And I just imagine what some of those people thought. Like I think sometimes um, at church, like when we do youth, we do something crazy and just like put up all these bouncy castles in the auditorium um, for like a switch sleepover or something. And I feel like sometimes some people are like, this is the auditorium, it's like church, and they get like a little bit like upset about it, like we're kind of just like having fun like at church and doing stupid stuff, you know what I mean? Like there was one notable time where we had a switch sleepover earlier this year and um, Claire was running it and she was doing awesome, but it got to this point where Dave and Ben were just like, the kids are a little bit like too hypo to go to bed when it was bedtime. We just want to run a quick game. And so Claire had very carefully like planned the whole sleepover and she'd like, made sure that we were only going in certain rooms of the church so we didn't have to vacuum the whole building because, like, you don't want to do that on Sunday morning before church. So we were only going in certain rooms. Um, and the auditorium was out of bounds. We'd cable-tied all the doors, and so we were just in the back rooms in the foyer. Um, and Dave and Ben, like, Claire, we're going to go sort out a game for you before bed. Um, be right back. And so what they did is they came into the auditorium, undid all the, the locks, and um, were like, we got the game. They went and found all these balls, and they brought all the kids in. Um, and they're like, what are we going to do, guys? We're going to play a game of rob the nest in the auditorium. We're going to make it pitch black, strobe the lights, and we're going to make three forts out of the chairs to hide your balls in. Um, three teams, three ways. And so pretty much in a matter of seconds, the kids had ripped apart every single chair, made these like forts with like the metal legs of the chairs sticking up to like 
stop other teams from getting to it. Like there was balls everywhere. There was like strobing lights, loud music. And me and Claire were just like actually like about to faint or something. Like we were like, oh my goodness. And um, during, during the game, um, one of the oversight, Andrew Clark, comes through the back doors to pick up his son who was going home early. And all of us froze. We were like, we've just like literally destroyed the church auditorium. There's like chairs flying everywhere, strobing lights, like churches tomorrow. And Andrew, gotta love the guy, he's just like, this is awesome. He was like totally down. Um, he loved it. But we were like, oh my gosh. You know, like there'd be definitely some people who would come in and be like, this is disrespectful. Like, what the heck are you doing? Put the chairs back. Um, so thank goodness it was Andrew who walked in, not someone else. But I think in some ways, like, Jesus kind of loves that, right? I think some people probably look at our church and say, why do they spend money putting on Slip and Slide Sunday just for, like, fun time for people? You know, like, why do they spend money putting on the Christmas bash, like, you know, investing I probably thousands, I don't know how much it costs, but, you know, investing all that money um, to just, like, so kids can come and bounce on bouncy castles and eat free food. Like, why would you do that? But I think we do that because that's what... Jesus was all about doing, doing something that maybe for some people didn't make sense. Like if you're religious, it definitely doesn't make sense. If you think that it's all about the cleansing water jugs, that's the most important thing. Jesus is like, no, that's not most important. People are more important. Let's make some wine in there. And that's like the slip and slide Sunday. Like, you know, like just the church service is most important. And we come up like, Jesus, that's what Jesus would do. No, let's have a bouncy castle for people and show people that they are most important. And I love that. And I think that sometimes... No, all the time. People are more sacred than the things that we think are sacred. Um, and that's what Jesus proved. These, these water jugs that were sacred, that were important, that was, you know, like they were part of the law. That was, that was what we did. Jesus came and said, they're not the most important thing. Like doing everything to a tease is the most important thing. People are the most important thing. And I think that in a time where holiness and cleanliness and following the rules were everything, Jesus came and said, oh, good, let's just like make some wine. Like, don't worry about that. Let's, what, what? is important as people and what is important is what people need and small things that are important to people are important to me and I think that you know like the first thing is that Jesus' story shows that people matter the second thing it shows is that God's grace is bigger and I think um, his grace is so much bigger than we think because if you look at the story like from our eyes yeah it's maybe a little bit random him making it in the water jugs but for them that was scandalous like getting these water jugs that were so holy and you know that was a cleanliness thing and making wine and it probably seem like this big mockery thing. It's like, Jesus, why would you even do that? Like, that's so rude. But God's grace for us is so much bigger. And I think that that's exactly what God wants to do in our lives, get the water jugs and make wine in it. And sometimes when we think, you know, like, I can't do that, I'm not good enough, um, I don't deserve it, I've messed up too much, I don't know if God can forgive me, I'm a lost cause. Jesus wants to come and make wine where we think it shouldn't be, where we think it doesn't, not supposed to exist. And Jesus is there ready to do something else, something that everyone else thinks is wrong, um, to make wine out of a ceremonial cleansing jug and to say, you're more important than how holy you are. You're more important than how together your life is. You're more important than how good you can follow the rules. You're more important than how good of a Christian you are. And I think sometimes we forget about that grace that God has, right? We, sometimes we think that God's real, this harsh God, and, you know, like, we can't make wine in those jugs because they're for cleansing, and that's way more important. Like, following the law is way more important than that. But Jesus always comes, no matter what's going on in our lives, no matter how messy it is, and says that we're more important than the things we do or we don't do. And 
This grace that he has for us is so massive. It's like he's always willing to come and make wine somewhere where sometimes we don't even think it should exist in our lives. Somewhere where we think, nah, I don't think God, you can do that. God, I think I messed up too bad. God, I don't think that's really fair. I think I'm just, I think I'm like too far gone. God, I think that I'm too much of a mess. And God will always come and do the thing, show more grace than we ever think is possible. And I, sometimes I think that like it's really hard to understand the idea of God's grace. It is so big that he'll just do things that don't even make sense to people. That he'll like forgive something that seems unforgivable. He'll do something that just seems completely unfair and ridiculous. And I, I love um, in explaining grace. I love um, if the word for grace, I guess it is, in Tereo Māori. Um, and it's Te Aroha Noa. Um, and Aroha, you probably most know, is love. Um, you guys know that? Good. Um, and Noah is the opposite to tapu. And so tapu is like um, things to do with things being sacred and set apart, um, things that are like maybe restricted or prohibited. That's what tapu is. And so Noah is the complete opposite of that. And so Noah basically means just no conditions, like no, no rules, no conditions. And so tiaraha Noah, which is grace, just means love without conditions, like no conditions. And I so believe that that so sums up what Jesus came and did in the story where he created wine. It was like, there were so many reasons why he couldn't have, like, there was these restrictions, like that was a cleansing jug, that was like sacred, that was holy. And Jesus came and just like, throughout the conditions, he's like, you know what? That's not important. What's most important is people. And the grace that God shows us is this love without condition he has for us. And I think sometimes we can get so caught up on all the reasons why he shouldn't have grace for us. The conditions that we think of, we're like, God, but I did this, God, but this happened. The conditions that we, we know should be there. But really, God's grace is all about love without condition. And I love that. Um, and I think it's the kind of grace God gives us. It's the kind of grace that making wine and ceremonial jugs is all about. That's what the story's about. It's about God showing that people matter. God showing that what matters to people matters to Him. God showing that His grace is big enough for things that sometimes we don't think it is. You know, as I wrote this message, I kept thinking, like, it's kind of a good, like, it's kind of cool God, but, like, I kind of thought for the first message of the year, we could do something more inspirational about, like, following Jesus, like, pushing into Him, not so much about, like, how God loves people, maybe God, that's what I was thinking. Um, but as I was thinking that, um, God quickly reminded me that that's what pursuing God should manifest like in our lives, that as we follow Him, what matters to us aligns more and more with what matters to him and what matters to him is people. And that as we follow him, the way we see and treat people aligns more and more with how he does. And that's with showing grace or love with no condition, being willing to make wine in the water jugs. And so I, I'm just going to wrap up because I'm almost out of time. But as we start this year, as we make new resolutions, as we try and do better at school and better at work and make new habits and kick bad habits and be fitter and healthier, whatever it is. I believe that this story um, is both a reminder and a challenge to us. And it's a reminder of how much we matter and how much God's grace, how much of God's grace we've been extended. And it's also a challenge um, for us to live in a way where people matter to us and we, we extend them the kind of grace that God extends to us as well. And so I just want to pray for all of us this morning, just as the, the band jump up. Um, so when you stand, just everyone just jump to your feet um, and we'll pray. Sweet. God, we thank you that you're such a good God. You're a God who came, God, and 
your first miracle is making wine at a wedding for two unnamed people in the Bible, God, because people matter to you, God. We thank you that you're a God who cares about people, God, that you care about us, that we matter, God, and even the small things in our lives that we think shouldn't matter, God, like getting a car park, sometimes they matter, they matter to you as well, God. And I thank you that you're a God who's so full of grace, God. You're so ready, God, to, to give us grace if we don't think we deserve it, God. And so, God, yeah, this morning we thank you for that, God. We pray that we, God, would be reminded of the grace you have for us, God, reminded of how much you love us, God, and that we would be challenged to give other people that same love, God, and that same grace. So we thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.